0: It's a great honor to be here this morning and uh, to come share uh, what God is doing uh, in Thailand and what he's placed on our hearts. Uh, Let's open with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, uh, as I speak this morning, Lord, I, I ask that you would help me to hide behind the cross. Lord, help me get out of the way of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would uh, be here with us, Lord, that you would open our hearts so that we could see you and see your work so that we can glorify you. Uh, Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First life. Oh, it's behind me. Okay. I was looking at that one. Sorry. Um, So when Mary and I first started, we're we're Southern Baptists like you. Uh, When we first started looking at missions organizations, uh, we uh, talked to the IMB first, and we had teenage kids. So the IMB said, "Uh, we don't send teenage kids to the field. Well, God had made it clear to us that we were supposed to go, so we found this organization called CrossWorld uh, through a series of things that, that happened. Um, we were, uh, and I won't go into that story, uh, but, but here's why we chose CrossWorld, because CrossWorld's tagline is Making Disciples in the Least Reach Marketplaces of the World. And God really had put that on Mary's and my heart is to go and make disciples. And so what does that look like? That's what we want to talk to you about today, uh, what it looks like to make disciples in Thailand. And hopefully you'll be able to take away from this is what can I do to make disciples right here in PG or Marion or Glenwood or wherever you're from. One of the key verses that God put on mine and Mary's heart uh, as we started our ministry is this: Second Corinthians five twenty. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making, uh, no, let me turn here. God making an appeal through us. We implore on Christ's behalf, be glorified, uh, be reconciled to God. So our ministry is to. Go and be ambassadors. You know it's not just our ministry; that's every Christian's ministry. This is Paul's writing to Second Corinthians, as he says, "Go and be ambassadors. Act like you're an ambassador." What is an ambassador? An ambassadors is a spokesman for a kingdom or or for a country. We have an amb- we have ambassadors in many nations. We have ambassadors in Thailand that I have to go see to get paperwork for visas and things like that, and if I need something from the U.S. government, I go to the U.S. consulate and say, hey, I need this document, and they, they fill it out for me. But an ambassador's not just there to take care of its own citizens. An ambassador goes, and he tells other nations about what's going on in his nation or her nation, and then they have an agreement, and it's, they're the spokesperson for the nation, That's what we are. We're spokespersons for Christ. And in that, we're pleading on Christ's behalf, to be reconciled to him. Next slide. The next slide is, if you're a missionary, you you can't not be a missionary and don't understand this. God tells Matthew 28, 19 through 20, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, uh, teaching them to do all that he has taught us baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, what does it mean to be a disciple? Ethan did a great job with the kids just a moment ago, explaining on their level what it is to be a disciple. But if you look in the Bible, what being a disciple is, being a disciple is a learner. You look and you read about in, in Mark about the Pharisees having disciples. Uh, you, you look and you read about John's disciples, and you see Jesus' disciples as he calls his disciples back and forth. What I've come to understand about discipleship is this. Discipleship is a process. It's, we in church often say, come to discipleship class. Come to this Bible study. We're doing discipleship in church. And in a church context, that's, that's true. That's what those things are. But in our life concept, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple for me? And what does it be, mean to be a disciple for you? What does that look like? Let's talk about that. So I'm going to talk about the, the last four years we had in Thailand. And some of you, if you came on the Sunday night back in January, you've heard this talk, a little bit of, of this talk. Uh, I'm going to cover some of the same things just because it's, it's relevant to this context and what we're talking about tonight. And to tell about our ministries for those of you who didn't get to come on that Sunday night. Next slide. So this is our Thai team. You notice I'm the old guy. <laughs> uh, all my team members are in their early 30s or, or 20s. They've got a bunch of young kids. Uh, Mary's uh, and my kids are all grown, and we've got grandkids. Some of them the same ages as the ones that we have in the picture behind us. But we have people that are leaving their families and coming to work in Chiang Mai, Thailand, or in other places in Thailand with us. We're we're in Sukhothai. We're on the border on the Miramar, what we know as Burma, on Miramar border. Uh, We're uh, all over the place uh, in Thailand. And it's mine and Mary's job kind of like herding cats. We've got to keep track of all these people and what they're doing and and help them come along and, and help them in their ministries. That's our primary job there. We also Day-to-day activities, though, I work in a, in a children's home. Uh, it's um, called Agape Home for Children with HIV, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but our Thai team, uh, we work in Sukotai. Uh Sukhothai is where our teachers are. They work in public school systems where they're able to share the gospel. Uh, we've had one teacher in the public school system that were, was able to uh, share the gospel uh, through the Christmas Uh, program, doing a Christmas program, and after he finished the principal of the school, asked him if he would pray over the school in Christ's name. Now this is a Buddhist school. Mr. McMahon, what would happen if if you would ask somebody as a a principal of the school to pray over the school? You'd all go home, right? They wouldn't put up with that here in America, but in Thailand the principal of a Buddhist school by God's design said would you pray over our school in, in Jesus' name? And he was able to do that. Today, he's been able to lead Bible studies at lunchtime. It's open Bible studies out uh, in the in open yard where all the kids are out at lunchtime. Anybody can come and go that wants, including parents, if they want to come and see what this Westerner's doing, they can come and share the gospel. And he gets to read Bible studies, and he does it in Thai. And um, it's amazing the doors that God's opening Just because we're available to say yes, and that we're there, Um, go ahead and go to the next slide. Uh, While we were in Thailand uh, at the beginning, speaking Thai is very difficult. Uh, Speaking Thai, there's five tones, so I can say ma or ma. I've just said two different words. First one, ma, means come. Ma means come. Ma means dog. Uh, Thai is is pretty difficult and as we're learning I felt like that we were not being able to have ministry even though we had some ministry with our Thai teachers there and I wanted more ministry to be able to do Uh, I'd been involved in prison ministry here in the United States before we went over so the international church that we are involved with there uh, Chiang Mai Community Church they have a prison ministry to foreign inmates I want to tell you a story about Simon E. is the third in line of Christians that we got to see come to faith. So he's a third generation Christian. When we uh, uh, came to Catherine and said, Catherine, she's the lady that's in charge of the prison ministry. I'd like to be involved. She said, okay, we've got some Americans in, in the prison. You can go and speak with them. So I said, that would be awesome. So I went into the Chiang Mai prison, into the international, and had the, inter, the day that we could visit with international prisons. And I started talking to these two Americans. Quickly come to find out they didn't want to really speak to another American. They had left America because they wanted to get away from us. That's okay. They don't want to speak to me. God had other plans that was bigger than we are. Uh, we went to a Buddhist nation to to reached Buddhist, and God gave me a ministry uh, initially to Muslims. Doesn't God have a sense of humor? I know nothing about being a, about Muslim and about Islam. This first guy that he brings to me, who's not pictured here because we can't take pictures, some of actually got out of prison. I was able to get a picture of him, or with him. Um, this first guy's name, is his Christian name is Paul. Uh, his... Muslim name is Ali. Ali is a human trafficker. What that means is that he sold people into slavery. He got caught, killed a man, and was sentenced to 100 years in Thai prison without parole. So he's going to be in Thai prison for the rest of his life. He's 56. While he's waiting on sentencing... Uh, he wanted to to read uh, to read a book. He was very interested in, in reading English. And he saw this guy with a, a book. And he said, some extra books. He says, can I have one of those? And the guy says, sure. Uh, here you go. I don't want this one. You can read it. That book happened to be the compilation of the Gospels. And Paul told me on that first meeting that I met with him. He said, as I read the Scriptures... Or, or that compilation of the Gospels, it's like a light turned on in the darkness. So, first time he'd ever read anything about Jesus, he had always seen and heard from his perspective, from an Islam perspective, who this Jesus was, and he got thirsty. And Catherine, who works as an interpreter, had came came into the prison, and he had already rejected one conversation with Catherine that I didn't tell you about, but that's okay. He went to Catherine and he said, Catherine, I need a copy of the Bible, and I want to read it. And Catherine says, well, I can give you a copy of the Bible, but you have to promise that you're going to take care of it. I said, you're a Muslim, and... You've got to understand, this is our holy book. This is God's word to us. And he said, I promise I'll read the Bible. So she brings him the Bible. He starts reading the Bible. And over four months, he said, he told me in that meeting that he had read the Bible four or five times. And at the end of that time, he realized that he had to give his Christ his life to Christ because he was the way and was the only hope that he had for salvation. And as he's telling me this, I'm weeping because I see God working in this man's life. And as we're closing our time, we only get an hour a day, uh, or an hour every Friday to speak to these men. He points over to the door and he said, you see that guy over there? He's a a Muslim too from Iran. He's my next target. So the next... uh, Next Friday, I come to church or to the prison, and he brings this man that he, he pointed to the next week. His name is Hyder. Hyder uh, is a Muslim. Uh, he had been put in jail uh, in Thailand uh, for uh, stealing. And Hyder is a wonderful guy. He's, he's a good guy to talk to. He's just a little older than I am. And he has these questions about who Christ is and so we start talking about who Christ is and over time he's reading his Bible and he's asking questions and I'm answering the questions for him and, and Paul is answering questions for him and we're pointing him to Christ over a period of time Hyder comes to Christ he comes to me smiling one day he says brother I have a new name I said what's your name? he said Andrew I said, that's wonderful. That means that he, was, he had given his life to Christ. He got a Christian name. I said, that's wonderful. Do you know, have you read about Andrew in the Bible? He said, yes, brother. I said, so you know that every time you read Andrew's name in the Bible, he's bringing someone to Jesus. He said, yes, brother. I said, you can't let that name down. He said, I don't. I'll be able to find it. Okay, there we go. We'll try to keep it on this. Time. I'm sorry. So he said, "Yes, brother." I said, "Well, you got you got to lead people to Jesus." And he said, "I will." And that's where this guy comes in. This guy's name is Somnani. He brings Somnani to me uh, uh, over a period of time. He said, "I want to introduce you to my friend Somnani." So I made an assumption that I shouldn't have made. I assumed that he had been talking to Somnani, and Somnani was. Uh, interested in the gospel so my first question was some, to Somnene was Somnene what's Jesus doing in your life Somnene stone cold face he says look he said Hyder said you was a good guy to talk to but if you want to speak to, uh, about Jesus if you want to talk to about Jesus I don't want nothing to do with him I'm a Muslim and I'm just soon ready to stay that way If that's all you want to talk about, we don't have anything to talk about. So I said, if you don't want to talk about Jesus, that's fine. We don't have to talk about Jesus. How's your family? Now think about that, a missionary telling a guy we don't have to talk about Jesus. You know why? Because his heart wasn't ready yet. He wasn't ready to receive receive anything that I had to say to him. So it wasn't going to do any good for me to, to try to talk to him about who Christ was but he did have a family that he loved so I'm going to talk to him about his family come to find out he's got a wife and two daughters that had been rejected by his own family because he brought shame on on them because he was put in jail and they'd been cast out or they'd been placed out of the house they weren't even allowed to stay in the family's house unless they would, unless his wife would divorce Samnani. Somnani said, please pray that God will provide. Well, little did I know, and, and Samnani did not know this, the consulate of India that's there in Chiang Mai is a Christian. He found out about what was going on and contacted a Christian church that he knew of in Somnini's hometown. And that church came along beside of his wife and children and started... Taking care of the family. Over a period of time, oh, and, and I had to learn about soccer. <laughs> in, in the rest of the world, foot, soccer is called football. And I don't know why. But I had to learn about soccer. I care nothing about soccer, especially Indian soccer. But somebody kept asking me about what was going on in, with soccer in India. I wanted a relationship with, with somebody, so guess what I did? I went home and looked on the internet and found out about what was going on in soccer in India. Over time, uh, I had a period in the summer times, uh, I don't go to the prison. So like from March 17th until, April, until May 7th is summertime and all the kids are out of school. And so I've got an opportunity during that time, to spend all day long with the kids at Agape Home. And so I get to go there and teach them English and just hang out and, and be goofy with a bunch of kids, you know, during their summer break. And I get to sh- love on them the way that Christ intended for people to be loved, regardless of where they were are in the world. So I was doing that. And I get a call uh, the second week that we're doing that, that Hyder... Had been taken away. Hyder, uh, that's uh, Andrew and Paul, and some other guys had been taken from the prison that we were out in Chiang Mai to Bangkok. Well, on the way out, Hyder, I didn't know this at the time. I was, we were shocked. I, I, was asked, I asked God, God, I had a great ministry with those guys. I enjoyed visiting with them. What are you doing? What God was doing, he was preparing Solomon in his heart to receive him. Because on the way out, the only thing that Hyder had left that he could give to some was an extra Bible that I'd given Hyder to give to someone else. And so on the way out, he takes this Bible to Hyder and he says, Brother, the only thing I have left that I can give you to remember me by is this Bible. And he wrote in the front of the Bible, uh, from your brother Hyder, I love you always, and gave it to uh, Somnene. Well, Somnene read the Bible had started reading the Bible. And uh, the, toward the end of our time, I get a call from Catherine. She says, Jerry, you've got to come back to the prison next week. And I said, why, Catherine? She says, Somnene won't talk to anybody else. He wants to talk to you. He won't tell anybody else what's going on. But he's, be- he's begging for you to come back to the prison. He wants to talk to you. So I said, I'll be there next Friday. Made arrangements to have the classes covered for a few hours. I was going to be gone. I went to the prison. Somnene comes in. He has a Bible in his hand. He says, brother, I've got so many questions. Will you help me? I said, yes, of course. And we start reading through the scriptures. And he starts asking these questions. And he comes to a point. He says says, brother I believe what the Bible says. But I don't know what to do. I said what do you mean you don't know what to do. He said if I turn my life over to Christ. I'm going to lose everything. I'm a Muslim. My community will reject me. My wife and kids may leave me. What do I do? I said something I can't answer that question from my own perspective I've never had to face that whenever I gave my life to Christ my family rejoiced so but let's look and see what scripture says I turned and I showed him I said look here it says Jesus says that if you're not worthy to turn your back on your mother and father and family and follow me you're not worthy of me and I said you need to know this too. And I told him the parable uh, of the man, uh, the the rich man that came to Jesus. And he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, you tell me. He says, well, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said, how you doing on that? That's Jerry's interpretation of Scripture, by the way. That's not. And, and the guy says, well, he says, well, I've done these things. And Jesus says, yeah, but there's one thing that you lack. You have to sell everything you own and follow me. Does that mean we have to be poor to follow Christ? No. What it means is that we can't put anything in front of Christ. And here's the thing. The man left. And Jesus let him go. Jesus didn't follow follow after him. He didn't say, hey, hey, wait, come back. Come back. You can only give a little bit of it. No, Jesus let him go. Because... Our decision to follow Jesus has to be fully to follow Jesus. What Simon had is he had knowledge of who Jesus was. He had to make a decision if he was willing to give his life to follow Jesus and everything that he loved and cared about to follow Jesus. Is it worth leaving your family to follow Jesus? He had to answer that question for himself. I couldn't answer that. So we started praying, because Jesus will let you walk away. We started praying that Jesus would show him who he actually was. And we continued to study the Bible, and I asked him every time I saw him, are you still reading? Yes, brother, I'm still reading. Several months later, Somnini comes to him, and he is a changed person, like overnight changed person. He's smiling, he's happy. I'm like, Somnini, you got to tell me what happened, brother. He says, last night I had a dream. And in that dream, this man came to me and he's dressed all in white. And he came and stood before me and he said, Somnone, follow me. He said, The only thing I could say in my dream is what? What? And Jesus said, And and he said, The man said again, Somnone, follow me. He said, The only thing I could say again is what? He said, Then the man said, Somnone, you're looking for the truth. I am the truth. Follow me. He said, in that instant, I knew that that was Jesus and that I was going to follow him no matter what. And he woke up and he gave his life to Jesus. He went home and his wife had been reading the Bible. His wife's not given a profession of faith yet. Uh, Not since last week when I talked to him last. But they are going to church and she is studying. So be praying for Simon and his family. Next slide. This is, uh, I told you that language was hard. This is my language tutor. Uh, he's a Thai Christian uh, because I was trying to figure out how to read the Thai Bible and I needed help. And another friend of mine uh, who was a missionary told me about this, this kid. And I started going to him and meeting with him every Thursday. And we'd sit and read the Bible for a couple hours. Uh, and And he would help me understand. And he would ask me questions. And I said, well, let's turn here and look. And he said, how do you do that? David does it too. Whenever I ask him a question about the Bible, you guys just know where to turn. I said, well, somebody, I've been, been saved since I was 23. I've read the Bible through many times. And I've studied the Bible daily. I said, I should know you know, if you have a question, I should be able to turn and look and see where where to find it in the Bible. He said, I don't do that. I said, you don't do what? He said, I don't study the Bible. This is where making disciples comes in, right? Because Jesus said, go and teach them everything I've taught you. So as disciple makers, we're supposed to teach others what Jesus has taught us and what we've learned. So we are reading the Bible over Thursday and he's getting this more stuff and he's, he starts reading on his own. He comes to me one day and he says, Brother, uh, or before he came to me, I gave him a, a, a DVD of the Jesus film, which if y'all know, you probably sponsored uh, that through the IMB. Um, It's the Jesus film is is a story of Jesus' life taken from the book of Mark. Uh, and it is a uh, they dub it in Thai or whatever language they're dubbing it into. And so I give it to him because of all, all of his friends are music or uh, film majors. They, they're learning how to make movies and, and do stuff like run cameras and all that stuff. He takes it in and shows it all these Thai, all these Thai Buddhists. And they go, what, what is this? He says, well, it's a movie. I said, why aren't, why aren't these Thai people in this movie? And he said, well, because there's nobody there to make the movie. It's, there's nobody there to do it. It's, they had to use other people. And they, had to th- they had to use this, these people to do it. And they said, well, why? We could do better. And some of them they said, no, you can't. Because you don't know the scripture. And they said, well, teach us. Now, get this. This is at a Buddhist college, class full of Buddhists. He's the only Christian in it. And he gets the opportunity to teach the Bible to these guys. Well I didn't know that this conversation was had, had gone on and he comes to me we were getting ready to leave uh, Thailand and he comes to me he said Jerry would it be okay if I'd go to a Bible study? Well yeah of course it'd be okay to go to a Bible study he so said he's leading it he said I am I said where'd you get that?" He said well I was reading the Bible and he says we're supposed to make disciples so He's teaching this class here are all Buddhist. Every week he's teaching them scriptures because they want to make a movie about Jesus Christ to tell other people. Tell me God don't have a sense of humor. And we get to see this stuff. You know, I, I mean, we couldn't, I'm like, you couldn't make this up. Next class. Uh, next slide. See, something what we've come to learn is is making disciples is not just about relationships. It's all about relationships. Where are my numbers? I have to get my note card because I can't remember numbers. In Thailand there's 440,000 people living with AIDS. That's 1.1% of the population. They're the highest nation per capita with AIDS in all of Asia. Understand this. The first case of AIDS in Thailand was not reported until 1986. Do the math. We're 23 years of AIDS in Thailand and 1.1% of the population has AIDS. It's rampant and it's unchecked. And that's a tragedy. We're involved with Agape Home for Children with HIV and AIDS. Children that are affected by HIV and AIDS. These are beautiful kids that we get to interact with. That they're ostracized because they have AIDS. And it's not their fault. They were born with it. Here's a tragi- another tragic thing. Christianity has been in Thailand since the early 1800s. And because Christianity has been in Thailand since the early 1800s, Point zero six percent. That means those who who don't understand that one sixth or I'm sorry, six point zero six percent. That means it's not even one percent yet of people in Thailand are Christians. How can that be? When you can have something like AIDS spread so rapidly to, to, to be over 1% and that's killing people. To have something like Christianity where is the only way we can have life and we're only at 6%. I'll tell you why. It's because people failed to understand the idea of discipleship. Because if they, if we as Christians understand discipleship we make disciples. And if we we're just making disciples of your own family, we would be more after 100 years than 0.06%. It's all about relationships. Next slide. The The last slide was Mary. I didn't tell you what the slide was. It was Mary giving, uh, just hanging out with teenage girls. You could see that. Being on Facebook, taking selfies, that kind of stuff. This is me teaching classes in English for His glory, uh, for, for God's glory. My youngest kids are sick, are two years old. My oldest pupils are fifty four years old. They're learning English, and the way I teach English is uh, through song. Not that I'm a great singer, but YouTube's a miracle. So we use a lot of different things. Those girls wanted to learn English, but they didn't want to learn from a, a stuffy book. So we started downloading, thanks to my lovely wife, YouTube videos with ca- English captions on it. So they can read the English as they sing the songs. And then I go back and have the girls tell me uh, in Thai what that, those words mean. So they're doing translation. You've huh, got to be sneaky sometimes when you're working with teenagers. The boys didn't want to sing because they were too cool for that. So I started reading the Thai Bible, and they go, Oh, you're getting that all wrong. And I said, I know, will you help me? And they said, well, yeah, I guess. So I use uh, the book of Mark. Uh, the North American Mission Board um, has a, an ESL course in the book of Mark that is free for, to download. So I went and got that book and started using that curriculum to teach my boys every day. Through the book of Mark English, they think they're helping me learn Thai. They are, but they're getting the scripture not only in English but also in Thai because they're helping me interpret. And they're learning English. Next slide. Uh, this is one of the great things that we got to see their work in Thailand. This little boy's name Anapot. Anapot was is two years old. Our Whenever I started teaching him, he was two. He was four. He's four years old in this picture. Anapot was my best English student. He could speak as well as any four-year-old in America. He was a, a just a great kid. Is is a great kid. Well, this family uh, down here in the in the bottom center is from Germany and they came to adopt on And adoptions work a little bit different in Thailand than most places. You don't get to pick your kid. Your kid is picked for you if you adopt a Thai kid. You put in an application to the Thai government. The Thai government says this is the kid that's next on the list to be adopted. You can pick him up on this date, and you go and spend some time with the kid, make sure everything's going to work out. You take the kid home with you. Well, this family's from Germany, and they come in, and they start speaking German to this little boy, and he doesn't know German. Think about how terrified you would be if you came up and had this person speaking to you in another language, and you knew that you had to go live with them. This kid was terrified. He was crying. He was weeping. Uh, He He was coming unglued because he knew that it's not going to be good for me. I can't even ask for a cup of water. And if this didn't work out, the family, this man and woman, goes home without a child. And they had to start all over. So the dad just looks at me in English and goes, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. I don't understand this. And the little boy starts beaming and he looks at the guy and he says, he quits crying almost immediately. He looks at the guy and says, hello, my name is Anapot. What is your name? And in that instant, a family was made. Anapot, these, these, this couple is a Christian couple from Germany. and Anapot's going to grow up in a house of people that love him and has a forever family because... He was able to learn English. Next slide. It's all about relationships. I'm going to finish up here, and I'm not going to rush through this even though I'm out of time. Don't electrocute me, guys. Uh, they, uh, This family is a family that's dear to us. They're in the process of becoming disciples of Jesus. And I say in the process because all of our lives... Uh, as learning to be a Christian, we're on a journey. That's the Pilgrim's Progress. That's about this guy's journey to be a in the life of being a Christian and all the hardships that he faces. I, I can't wait to see that movie. I'm going to go take and go watch it myself. But this family is dear to us. Her name is Jeet, uh, and her husband uh, came over and shared a uh, a Thai custom with this. this is not a Buddhist custom this is one of the only customs that we can participate in as Christians uh, and this is from northern Thai Thailand and it's a water blessing they call it Rot Nam and the reason that we could participate in this because I can tie this directly to baptism to our baptism and I used it to tie directly to baptism as we uh, you fill this bowl with water and scented with and scented fragrances like jasmine and other flowers, and then you dip the water out and you go to your elder and you get down on your knees in front of the el- your elder and you pour water on the hands of your elder and ask your elder, your grandparents, your teachers, to forgive you for any wrong that you have done in the last year, and if they accept that they take the water and pour it over your head or over your shoulders and give you a blessing. Ain't God amazing the way he uses stuff to point back to Christ and to point back to Christianity? So we were able to explain to our friend what this meant. Let me tell you about Jeep When she first came to know us Jeet was agnostic of anything she, she said well my mom and dad are, are Buddhist but I don't practice Buddhism I don't go to temple and uh, I don't know anything about Christianity I, so I, I'm nothing I, I just I'm me you know and so she starts working with us and we start she starts helping Mary with language and and we start having this relationship with her. She comes to me one day and she says, Jerry, I went to temple, to a Buddhist temple. I said, gee, that's wonderful. And you say, well, why would you say that? She's going to a Buddhist temple to worship idols. Because that told me one thing. She went from not having a relationship with anything, not caring anything about the next life to come, To starting the search. And where did she turn the search first? To what she knew. Buddhism. That told me her heart was opening. And that she was beginning to look. At what's next. And look for a way of reconciliation. I showed Jeet. The Jesus film. As I was sitting down. And and, uh, studying Thai. Watching the Jesus film. While Jeet was over. And she kept asking, is this true? Is this true? And I said, yes. And I'd show her in the Bible where it's true. A little while later, she came and said, Jerry, a a friend invited us to church. And we went to a Christian church this weekend. I said, Jeet, that's wonderful. Tell me about it. And she told us about it. A little while later, Jeet tells another friend of ours, who uh, it was a teacher that was living with us while she was doing some language study, Some days I'm a Christian. Some days I'm a Buddhist. Progress. Is she a Christian? Of course not. Because Jesus says I'm the way, the truth, the life and no one can come to the Father except through me. She's not given her life to Jesus yet but she knows who Jesus is. She's seeking a relationship with him and she's growing in that relationship. She's not fully committed. And you see that through Scripture, how the disciples came and went in this journey. Last slide. Here, here's the truth there's nothing magical about what we do in discipleship. Being a disciple is this, and it's simply learning to live and love like Jesus. How do you make a disciple? You teach somebody else how to live and love like Jesus out of what you know that's what we're trying to do it's not magical there's nothing magical about what we're doing it's quite ordinary you'd think that's pretty boring we didn't get off the airplane in Thailand and get halos we're just who we are we're who God made us you know what but that's all God asked us to do it's not magical very ordinary Just be who God made you to be. Do what Jesus told you to do. And the results, that's what's extraordinary. Because you get to see people come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's nothing in the world better than that. Thank you for your time. Thank you for allowing me to come and spend Sunday morning with you. And share with you what Jesus has done in Thailand. It's not what we've done. We've been available But because we're available, we get to see God do amazing things. Are you available? Are you available to to point people to Jesus when you have the opportunity? In your marketplaces, in your schools, at the doctor's office? Are you available?